0: This is the Pro Audio Suite Podcast.
1: Quick Bites. Welcome to another Quick Bite. Thanks to Rode Microphones and Harlan Hogan's voiceover essentials, the home of the Porter Booth Pro. This week, we're on the diving board about to plunge into a geek pool.
2: <laughs> Again.
1: Yeah, again. Um, This week we're looking at a new microphone from a new microphone company that formed in 2017. Basically, AKG shut their factory down in 2017 in Vienna, and all their R&D engineers were out of work. So, they formed their own company and called it Austrian Audio. But at the time when the factory was shut down, they were working on some R&D to develop the old CK-12 capsule. They took that R&D with them and uh, developed their own capsule, which they call the ckr 12 And the main difference is, instead of using brass, which was so unreliable with the gazillion screws in it, they've made a ceramic uh, ring for their capsule. It looks like an absolute winner. But what does it sound like? I managed to get my hands on one and uh, had a bit of a play. And uh, we're going to compare it to a couple of other classic uh, microphones with classic capsules, and also play around with this, well, this polar pattern plugin you can use in post. It's called Polar Designer. Polar Designer, indeed, See? as opposed to Polar Express or Polar like Bear's favorite mm-hmm. Christmas movie. Is, is it? Is it
3: melting? <laughs>
1: <laughs> probably is. Yeah. Probably is as we speak. So, do you want to start off by just doing, um, just playing the three? Different microphones just to get an idea of what it sounds like. Okay. Okay. I
3: don't want to hear Andrew's voice anymore.
1: <laughs> <laughs> okay. Now That's it's time dangling. for me to read a book. Uh, we're all sitting comfortably. <laughs> this is the Microtech Gefell M92.1S. Okay, so this is the OC818 from Austrian Audio. Okay, this is the C414EB P48. <laughs> All right. So, what do we think? So, we had uh, the Microtech fill with the M7 capsule. We had the 414 with the CK12 nylon capsule, and then we had the OC818 from Austrian Audio. What were your thoughts?
3: It sounded a lot like the 414, but not quite as thick mm. as I. And surprisingly, not a lot like the M7, which I thought initially would be.
1: It's funny you should say that because I sent uh, the file last night across to Jeff Silverman. And his initial uh-huh. response was he said he was thought it actually sounded the eight one eight sounded very much like the um the the gefell.
3: Really? Yeah. I, yeah. I, I thought the eight one eight was a little bit closer to, to the gefell than the four fourteen, but I definitely thought the eight one eight the eight one eight Jesus. The eight eighteen and the four fourteen sound sounded more similar. What
0: do him. you think? That was Jeff? The impression I had. Okay. Uh A four fourteen eight eight eighteen, uh were very similar. The rich, full sound. The uh, the Gefell to me sounded uh, yeah. thinner. I didn't hear as much low end going on.
3: And and, and the eight eighteen was
0: not quite as rich as the four fourteen, right? Oh, I think I was you're monitoring right. on yeah, the best I on. monitoring setup. So I'd have I'd, I'd have to really dial it in to mm. discern a difference.
4: I have to reassess the low end of the M seven because the the top end seemed to get so much attention to me on that. So the the M seven definitely had a, a a little bit harsher, not harsher, but just a not even harsh isn't the right word. It just had a brighter, airier top end than the others. That's what I heard. So it just seemed to be a little bit more emphasis on the brightness. That's what I heard from the M7. But the 414 and the 818 uh, were rather similar based on what those guys were saying. You know, I think they're the closest between the three of them. Robo?
2: Yeah, no, I agree. I think the, the, the AKG and the, the Austrian audio are the closest two out of the lot. Um. I know my hearing's not the best, as we've discussed on many occasions, but to
1: me, um, I kind of heard the 818 being a combination of both. It kind of had that mm-hmm. sort of top-end sure. sheen of the M7, but had the sort of more lower mids and stuff like that from uh, the 414. That's kind of what I heard. That would be a good point.
3: I think Absolutely. of the three, I, I like the 8, 818 better um, of, of all three. It seemed yeah. to have the warmth that the 414 had with, not quite as heavy-handed, not so murky as the 414.
1: Yeah.
3: The Goldilocks
1: <laughs> mic. Yeah. As it they, were. I've also been using it in figure eight, and it does sound quite different in figure eight. And um, yeah, it's pretty impressive. How How much it so so we,
4: what we heard was just the front capsule. You words, did. We heard yeah. half of the mic. Correct. So we also have samples of the whole mic, where you recorded the front and the rear capsule. And then some of us some of us had the moment in the day, not all of us because it was a busy day, to um, take that said file, throw it into Polar Designer and come up with our own microphone Mm -hmm. sound, basically. Just we got to take that front and rear capsule and just give it our own flavoring with the Polar Designer. So I uploaded one to the, and sent it by email. Um, Maybe you have it. And I kind of went the route of slam all the faders to, to, to the top. So what I did was I just put every single thing in figure eight. And so I thought that'd be interesting because you did record a sample in figure eight, didn't you?
1: Yeah, I did, yeah.
4: Just so I thought it'd be interesting to hear how my figure eight with Polar Designer compared to the figure eight that comes right out of the mic. Are they exactly the same? How similar are they? Um, I happen to think it sounded really damn good. I really liked it. Yeah. The did, mic and figure. Did you notice any mode. difference? I didn't have a chance to compare, actually. You
3: didn't have a chance to A B. No. I mean, c- cause there's a lot going on there. I mean, Polar Designer, especially if it's going through each band, it means that everything's going through like a whole crap load of filters and then it's being reassembled. Whereas when the microphone does it inside the microphone, it's just electronically mixing those things together without ripping it apart frequency-wise and putting it back together.
4: Well, that's what's interesting. So there's two different polar designers. There's the Polar Designer software that's a plug-in, and that's a post-process, although you could probably plug it into it, insert it in you know, Pro Tools, and then track through it, of course. You can see what music, and,
3: music sounds like through it. Just put a right. stereo thing through it and see what happens. Yeah,
4: and then there is the Polar Designer app. And so what that thing does is it runs on your iPhone, and then using a special Bluetooth module that plugs into the rear of the mic it now allows you to do the same kind of control over the patterns internally, inside the mic, electronically. So the mic has a bunch of presets. With it's got your the typical, frequency controls? In the I, well, then. here's the thing. I have, not had, <laughs> I have not had the opportunity to use the app, so I don't uh, know if it also has frequency
3: control. Interesting, if the mic inside of itself had all that frequency
1: sectioning off. Have you gotten a chance but to play with exact- that, Andrew? No, I didn't get the dongle. That's a, it's an extra thing you can buy for the microphone. But what yeah. I do know is you can't play with the frequencies. You could, with, the, with the app on your, on your phone, um, yeah. you can adjust your polar patterns. You can do your high-pass filters and pads and whatever, which, you know, I mean, Maximum I can the see that. effect that you... Uh, yes, uh, no, pads. It's just basically the microphone. Yeah. So it's uh, polar patterns, gotcha. pads, and high-pass.
0: It's brilliant though with with Bluetooth, so, it, so
1: somebody at a mixer can
0: control the, pol- the the pattern while he's hearing the performer on a stage or something, and, and make adjustments as necessary in real time, right?
1: Yeah, absolutely, yeah, and, and I, yep. I, yeah, and it's handy. Like if you're, um, you know, like if you've got room mics or stuff that you don't have to climb ladders anymore. You can sit actually in the control room and adjust what polar pattern you want. You may want more, more room, less room, you know, that kind of stuff.
3: Yeah. Do Four you want to hear George's fire? Joystick.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Okay, this is the Austrian Audio OC818. I've plugged in both capsules separately. The front capsule should be on the right channel and the rear capsule should be on the left channel. Um, You can adjust now the polar patterns in five different frequencies and also adjust the proximity using the Austrian Audio app. Let's see how it sounds. Okay, so we're starting off with the Austrian Audio OC818. Uh, I've got it set on the figure eight, and I've got the high pass set on 80. So that's figure eight.
2: So what did you do, George? You flipped everything to figure eight. Is that right? I admit I did more than I said. So I did flip
4: everything to figure eight, but I messed with the EQ. Mm. (laughs) So so. you're probably noticing it sounds a tad bright. About three point three dB bright. Yeah, so I, I boosted the top capsule, or it's the top uh, band, by three point three. So it was pretty bright. And then I uh, I did add one dB on the low mid band, and one point eight on the low band, and I cranked up the proximity control to point six nine. So that was definitely not flat. Um, yeah, but I was just curious if you guys thought that was. Actually, good sounding, or if it was too much, maybe I didn't it mind. Sounds it. too bright, or too this, or too that. Hmm, I didn't mind it. What is reverse pattern? Honestly, there's definitely some RTFMing that has to go on here because I do not know what that means. But
2: uh, yeah, yeah. The thing that occurred to me uh, was it's probably my first thought. To be honest with you, was that I didn't know where I would use it. I thought it was a great function, but I didn't know where I would use it. But then I, I was sort of thinking about it a bit and and i was wondering it's sort of with radio imaging you use filter effects a lot so the the music's thick and out there and then you sort of you you automate your eq and you add some other effects and it sort of thins out and comes back everyone would know what i'm talking about if you heard it and i was wondering right. if you could take that That plug-in in Pro Tools and take that similar sort of effect, that thinning out sort of effect that we use on music, put it on a voiceover, but as well as changing the EQ, change the polar pattern, so sort of move it from the front to the back. So as well as you get that mechanical sort of EQ, you also get almost a recorded eq does that make sense am i making sense am i <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> you know what i mean like so you, instead of you, using a plug-in you would just use the actual microphones yeah so, so so yeah so automate that actual plug-in so so as well as as well as automating the eq you're also changing maybe from the front to the back so as well as it thinning out it's getting more distant sort of ah uh, yeah you yeah, know yeah, what yeah. i mean yeah. um yeah, so I, I I would sort of that would be something that I'm actually going to sit down and play with once we're done here and sort of. see. I just
3: want to know what a music track sounds like through that plugin.
2: Mm. Mm.
4: <laughs> <Yeah>. That's true because <laughs> this
2: this plugin this full designer
4: plugin is a they have the AAX uh, VST and an AU, oh. and it's an open source plugin. Yeah. Yep. So it's free to anyone to all to use. So mm-hmm. you can throw anything you want through this plugin. Yeah. And go crazy with it. So it yeah, could, it, you could
0: definitely do some weird stuff. What do you think this microphone is best suited to record? Uh, it seems like overkill for voiceover.
2: It's definitely a musical thing, I would suggest. Yeah, I, argue, I, don't, see why, I don't see why
3: yeah. it can't be used for voiceover and give you here's, a lot of Here's, here's, a, here's an well, example. So,
4: well, yeah, what does it cost? About 1000 US. US? 1000 US.
3: That's not bad. I mean, a quality mic is going to cost you 600 bucks to $1,000 anyways, and this one's got some flexibility. Yeah. It's a little bit more than the Lewitt that does the same thing, right?
4: I think does the I, Lewitt I, do the same thing.
3: I think you could throw the Lewitt through this open-source software because it really does the same oh, thing, which is here's the front and back gotcha, of the gotcha. capsule, and now the game's over. It's all the same stuff. Right,
1: yeah. right, 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 right. No, I think... Yeah, uh, I, yeah. go ahead. I was going to say, it's $1,000, you can buy a matched... Well, they're all matched because they're saying basically the the difference between um, the capsules is uh, half a dB, plus or minus. So you can basically buy... They're essentially buy. all matched. They're all matched, Yeah. But I, yeah. I kind of like we talk about the voiceover thing. For, I've got to say, for me, I think this thing is fantastic. I like um, it. I'm not going to use all the bits and pieces, but you know, people no. buy a three and a half thousand dollar U87. I know what I'd rather buy, and it's certainly and put it in be a yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah,
4: Can I go on right. a sidebar? Because we have been doing this a lot tonight. So earlier yeah. today, I was helping a client. She couldn't get good sound out of her studio. She was using right. the following: a U87, an Apollo Twin. <laughs> in a closet lined with Roxel AFB, you know, fire, you know, decent decent treatment, you know. Right. And, but it sounded like garbage, right? And no matter what we did, it sounded like garbage. So I'm like, let me see what you're doing on what software you're using. Oh, oh, GarageBand. Okay, let's take a look at what you're doing <laughs> in GarageBand. I loaded GarageBand and I was like, what is going on? There was so much processing going on, EQ and all this stuff was like, wait a minute, and, and, and I tell you, I look at GarageBand for two minutes, my eyes, my eyes just rolled in the back of my head. I'm like, let's install Twisted Wave, okay? This will take two minutes. Installed Twisted Wave, recorded a single mono track, played it back, and it was like, OMG. Wow. It was like, all of a sudden, it sounded exactly the way it should sound. It sounded great, actually. Um, so I know I'm sidebarring here, but guys, don't go and buy a $3,000 mic and not know how to use your free... <laughs> GarageBand software on your Mac. Please don't make that mistake. Yeah. Anyway, um, yeah. So I, I've, I've used the the te- the L22, the Sphere. That's the one from Townsend Labs. Yep. And it's essentially a very expensive version of you know this mic. Um, very well made. Blah blah blah. A little bit more flexible. You can has a little bit more tweakability. But um, I think that for me as an engineer who does remote tech support and remote booth tuning is to give somebody this mic and for me to fix the polar pattern to work better with their voice and their, you know, not great studio. That's pretty awesome. Yeah, yeah. Is it overkill? Yeah. And here's the thing. I wish I could remote control that internal setting over the internet, you know, because it's, it's an app. So I'd like to be able to remote control the pattern via the internet over screen share and then store it in the mic and say, here's your setting, never, ever, ever change this. You know That would be, to me, the ultimate custom-designed microphone for the voice actor. This would be the only mic I know of that I could do that, where I custom-design the polar pattern and the EQ of the mic, store it in memory, and that's their mic. Yeah. And that, that, to me, is pretty compelling. Does the average voice actor need that? Probably not, but for me as an engineer, that is the ultimate control freak scenario, which makes me very excited.
3: I just think it seems to be a good, well-balanced microphone. It's sort of sits right in between that that Gefell and the four fourteen. Gives you a lot of options. Isn't doesn't seem to be priced overly expensive.
4: Right, I don't know. it's reasonable. It, it seems
3: to kind of check a lot of boxes. It's not necessarily the mic for everybody, but
4: it's a solid it def- price point. And if you never se- touch a single plug-in or software or do a damn thing, and just put it on cardioid. It sounds great. It's going to work. Yeah, and that's you know the, a good mic needs to sound great with nothing being done to it, right? And it does sound great without yeah. playing around with it, mucking about with yeah. it.
1: So, garbage in, garbage out. Yeah. yeah. So that's right. good. That's a good thing. And if you don't want all the polar patterns, they also do the um, the cardioid only, which is the OC eighteen. The eighteen, uh, right? How much is that one? Like I think US dollars bucks? is six ninety nine. Yeah, seven hundred bucks.
4: It's a solid so. proposition. So, so, so at that point, it's competing more with like a. Or maybe a TLM one hundred two or Mojave FET two hundred one or one. Of, there's a lot of like seven hundred dollar price point mics. The the AT forty forty seven I like a lot. You don't you don't you don't Out think down. the two fourteen is a is a contender? It's not as nice sounding. Definitely not as nice sounding. It's not it's, as it's not four fourteen yeah. like. Well, you know which four fourteen you know?
3: Probably something like a ULS or maybe a later XL. XL2 not not an XL2 maybe maybe an XLS one of those generations of 414 I expect the 214 to sound like those but if they don't then I'm wrong
4: I've never use it yeah. it's good it's not great
1: yeah yeah the one thing that is really impressive about this microphone is the build quality it's yeah. ex- extremely well built it looks fantastic
3: and it's it's That's skinnier
1: good. than the 414 right it's got a slightly bigger profile than the 414 you know, and it's it's a modern looking microphone. It doesn't it's its own thing. But yeah. they really just you know it looks it looks kinda like the Jay Z mic chassis, right? Grill, everything. Like it's just a completely from the ground up design. It's right? even got this strange thing inside um where the capsule is mounted. They put a, a miniature diffuser in there to oh, stop reflections. Yeah, to stop reflections off the, the actual body of the mic heading into the capsule. Wow. That's clever. Jeez. That's pretty amazing. Yeah. Yeah.
4: Well, it's, it's a killer mic. I mean, I, I, I recommended a Paluso P414, 4444. I don't even know how to say the names of these mics. We screwed them <laughs> We're up. I'm so confused. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I recommended it to a lady talent recently because it's essentially the closest thing you can buy, at least until now, to an EB, the 414 yeah. EB. So the P414 is very EB like. Very beautiful sounding, very smooth. In fact, it says right in here we drew heavily from the nineteen seventy six EB version, so it it does certainly sound like it, and it's smooth and sounds wonderful in figure eight pattern. It's a little spendier, um, but uh, you know it's a very interesting competitor. I'd like to throw that mic into the shootout mix someday and hear how that stacks up. The Paluso mic, the Paluso, yeah. What was the model number again? P four one four. I'm writing this down. Yeah. I love Peluso because it literally is a three-person team, husband and wife. The wife does a lot of the fabric, like a lot of the soldering, and you know, in in Virginia, you know, and they just make these mics in their little shop in Virginia, you know. But they're sold on some of the biggest websites on, you know. Peluso's detailers. got a great
0: reputation. I've only heard wonderful things about those mics. Yeah. I've never actually bought one myself. I got a yeah. U. I
4: got a P sixty-seven for. One of my clients who had two U80 or U67s, original U67s, which were becoming, you know, a little bit of a maintenance problem. <laughs> we were like rotating them back and forth <laughs> between the the tech and Burbank, you know. It was getting a little ridiculous. I was like, let's just try a modern take on the mic. And that ended up taking over. That's the mic that now lives in lives in the studio, and the other one sits... One got sold for 9000 the other one sits in a suitcase in the closet. <laughs> wow. So let's say sound, it paid
0: for itself. Sound Deluxe and Bach microphones, what's your take on those?
4: You know, I don't get to use the real things very often at all, but the, when I heard the model of the Sound Deluxe 250, is that the 251? Is that the one that's so incredibly well-loved? I think so. I think uh, I just got one and I didn't actually It does that. sound... It did did sound pretty damn awesome on who I was trying it with. But that was a model on the uh, L22, you know, the emulator, Okay. which, uh, you know, I, I don't have all these mics to try out in the real world, but it sounded pretty damn sweet. I can see why people like the Elam 251,
0: you know? I think around 1999 or 2000, I bought a Sound Deluxe U99, which I just took out of service like two months ago. Um, and it, it also had a figure eight pattern. I remember experimenting with that on the on the uh, power supply. You could determine what the pattern would be. Sure. But, uh, it was a sweet. It's a tube mic, so it had a really rich, creamy sound. But mm-hmm. tube mics are noisy, you know.
1: Yeah. The interesting thing is the Gefell that uh, was in that uh, test is a tube mic. Yeah. But it it doesn't have that fat bottom end, which is really interesting.
4: Well, you know, there's some others that don't. You know, like the uh, Manly cardioid or reference cardioid. It doesn't have a big. Fat bottom end on it, you know? It's got a huge amount of
1: attack, like like mid-range. The other thing we haven't talked about is, will this microphone or any of the microphones you've mentioned work on different voices? I mean, is it, um, is it a tonal thing? Will it work on a female? I mean, I'm wondering with the P414, the Peluso, was that was that a female that you bought that for? Yeah.
4: Yeah. And, you know, I liked it because, you know, women on, you know, this is, and I, maybe this is the wrong thing to say, but women oftentimes have a brighter voice. Yeah. It um, tends to be more sibilance. There tends to be more, you know, just there's more frequency content. So in the upper mid range or upper, upper range. So, you know, a mic that's smoother up there or near, I say, basically flat um, sounds nicer. It sounds yeah. smoother. It's, and mics that have that shelf on the top end, like a 41.6 and Tons of other condenser mics that have like a four to eight dB shelf on the top end, you know, like a high rise on the top end. Yeah, they man. do not sound so great on on somebody <laughs> that might already be sibilant. So, you know, it's, uh, it it just depends. But if you if you have a flat mic that's accurate and clean with low distortion, really low self noise, you're going to be able to record anybody. Yeah, yeah. Just EQ it after after the fact. Just tune it the way you need to.
1: You know. Yeah, I do know. There's a certain. A mate of mine was telling me he had a bok and he ended up getting rid of it because it worked beautifully on some voices, but others it just sounded crap. Um, so yeah. he sold it. Um, I mean, I'm kind of curious from what you guys are hearing. Can you imagine, you know, a different voice on this microphone?
4: Yeah, uh, why? Yeah, why not? I mean, it 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 sounds like it wants to take some EQ, right? It's it's for your voice. I think it's a very nice match, and for other voices, it might be too dark. Um, and so it would take EQ beautifully. Um, I find myself de-emphasizing 416s a lot, taking out the harshness of them for certain things. And with this mic, I would, I find I would almost never have to dip anything out of the mic. You know, I would only be probably adding a little bit here and there for flavor. Like I did with that polar pattern designer for you. I, I added three DB here, one DB there, you know, and got the flavor I liked, but I didn't take anything away um, because it just nothing stood out nothing was like oh oh, honky all these weird frequencies that jump out on some odd vintage mics and tube mics and things that have character yeah i don't really like a mic with character (laughs) that's not what that's not what i'm looking for i want it to just
1: be smooth well at the moment i've got it on figure eight so what i should do just for the hell of it while we're here i'll Hold your ears. Oh, didn't make any noise. Um, I've now moved it onto cardioid.
4: And there you go, right out of the. There's there's a feature right out of the gate. The fact yep. that you can switch patterns and the thing electronically mutes itself. Yep. And you have no pops and <laughs> horrible <laughs> yeah, sound crack. when you change patterns. Like that's yep. that's a beautiful thing. I love that.
1: You know. Yeah. So there you go. That's that's the cardioid. I think I prefer. Yeah, the it's theory. a little thinner. It's a it's little a thinner, thinner
4: and, and and more honky. Yeah. You know, a little bit more upper or mid-range. Yep. So not yeah. as nice. Interesting. I think like, once you get used to hearing that figure eight pattern, everything else sounds kind of thin because it just adds that thing at the low end. And then when you lose it, you miss it. If you yeah. didn't hear it in the first place, you may not miss it.
0: Um, well, back on
1: figure eight. That, to me, it sounds much better. Yeah. <laughs> I like it so, better. Yeah,
0: cool. That's counterintuitive to me that the figure eight would sound better than the cardioid.
4: Uh, Me too, Jeff. I've I've just been experimenting with that so much lately. So many people, and I don't don't know why there's so many U87s all of a sudden. Like I, I might hear one U87 a month normally, and now it seems like once a week almost. Oh, I have a U87, and I have uh and I'm like, and I'm plugging it into a Scarlet Two I Two, (laughs) and I'm using my closet, and I'm like, what? This (laughs) doesn't make. I'm scratching my head, like. Who bought you at a U eighty seven?
3: Right, and 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 you're using your U eighty seven with a scarlet and
4: like yes, and oh, I've heard oh, really? numerous U eighty sevens plugged into a hundred dollar preamp many 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 times. That's like it's, it's just and it's just I, what am I going to tell them? Like, are you? What did you? What were you thinking? I can't really go there most of the time. I just say, well, let's get the best sound we can out of the mic you have. Like, oh, I think it's, it's incredibly overpriced they bought overpriced one piece mic. that's an
3: investment piece, and then they, and they keep on moving on. And the next thing they replace is their preamp. Next thing they replace is their converter. Next thing, you know, they just keep Maybe. on. But at least they got one piece that they don't necessarily need to change ever.
4: Yeah, I yeah. mean, yeah, yes and no. And a lot of times I don't like the way the mic sounds all that much on on the person that bought it, you know, and then I'm just trying to, eq things to sound a little more pleasing so yeah that's also a thing you know it's kind of like um it's not the best mic for everyone i think there's another reason that mike has ended up populating so many home studios in the last four months is there was these spec sheets going out from a lot of agents saying um we're being told you have to have a quality home studio and that might include mike you might uh we suggest you have something like a u87 or a tlm103 so people got these specs and were like, well, I guess I better go buy a U87. Now is my chance to buy a U87. Um, I don't know. Wow. I I'm kind of perplexed about it, but uh like
3: yeah. having everything go into a scarlet isn't gonna make everything before it sound better necessarily. No. I wonder if UAD purposely put a thing on their interfaces that just makes it get hot, just to make it seem <laughs> like it's like working really hard. <laughs> a little like eater Flowing energy for no reason, just like you mean like those plastic
4: cameras that they used to sell that were you know took its one ten film you know that looked like a real camera and then they had a lead weight inside so it felt like a real camera. <laughs> <laughs> right. The audio yeah. interface equivalent of that. Yeah, it's like it's gets really hot, so it must be good. Yeah. <laughs> it yeah. freaks people out. I tell you, it gets pretty warm. They were like, "Is something wrong?" I'm like, no, it's an aluminum heat sink and it's designed to radiate the heat. And it has a computer inside. It has a DSP chip and it makes heat. It does that. And there's no fan. So yes. I, (laughs) I, I am surprised about this with like a lot
3: of music engineers. So they will be the snobbiest and they'll be like, I am not recording my, my audio through a single chip mic preamp. It must be discrete API or John Hardy or whatever this, that microphone. But I love the Unison preamps and their emulation.
4: <laughs>
3: which is basically, it's got to be going through some single-chip, cheap, mass-marketed, mass-built UA thing. You know, it's like they're making so many of these. It's not like the preamp has can be the same as some discrete preamp. But they believe it hook, line, and sinker, you know? Yeah. So, this yep. sounds great. Love it. And it's all about <laughs> hey. inspiration.
1: Well, on that note, um, I think we... <laughs> all kind of agree that the OC818 is pretty good I think it's a bit of a winner I, I think yeah. so yeah I it. Pretty, 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 pretty you can send good. it over here no problem <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we, should, we should all have one
3: nice I'm, one I'm going to get in trouble for what I said about UA right no, no. <laughs> by yeah. who why would you <laughs> yeah.
2: yeah from who
3: I don't know because I, I don't even know for sure that it's a single chip preamp in there. I'm kind of making an assumption, but I think it's a fair
2: assumption that it's. Robert, you would uh, be the, the first and only person. If we took that out, you would be the first and only person to come on this podcast and not speak their mind. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <right. laughs>
4: I, my one assumption that it's not is that the Unison plug-in allows you to adjust the impedance of the preamp, so right. I don't think it's a one chip preamp. Because it does have the ability to adjust the impedance to match the original to, to preamp the that you're modeling. impedance, yeah. Well, yeah. Like if you load in the, uh, <laughs> the, you know, the API Vision, the impedance of that preamp is what <laughs> the preamp in the Apollo becomes.
3: But I don't think it matches it exactly. I think it goes oh. like has like five settings in it.
4: Like load up, yeah, maybe. Or something.
3: Yeah, I mean, yeah, like the,
4: the ISA uh, ISA preamps from Focusrite, they have like four yeah. settings. Exactly. Uh, yeah. This has been real and really
1: interesting. And thanks, Jeff. Thanks for hanging out with us. This show was mixed by Voodoo Sound, edited by Andrew Peters, using Source Connect Now and Rode microphones, with technical support from George the Tech Wizard. Don't forget to subscribe and like us.
2: You look for